Hi everyone, I'm Rosemarie Miller here with Kelly Phillips Herb, a senior writer here at Forbes, here to tell us why the TikTok advice to report your ex to the IRS doesn't always add up. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kelly. Thank you for having me. So Kelly, what prompted your interest in investigating and debunking a TikTok influencer's claim about making money by reporting an ex to the IRS? So I started getting a lot of uh, pings on my feeds, people asking me, is it true that you can uh, you know, turn your ex into the IRS and get money? Um, and I knew it had to come from somewhere, so I did a little, little, little uh, research and saw that there was a, um, a clip of someone on TikTok uh, making that claim, um, and there had been thousands of comments and millions of views. Um, so clearly, people had a lot of interest in whether or not this was true, um, and so that's that's kind of what inspired the article. Okay, and can you can you elaborate on the criteria set by the IRS for whistleblowers to qualify for rewards, especially in cases related to tax evasion? Right. So I think that people have this idea that you know somebody that cheated, you could just turn them in, right? Like like you're mad at your ex in this case, um, why not flip them? Because there's a whistleblower policy that really does exist with the IRS where you can actually get a piece of the tax that they collect. Um, but as you mentioned, there are criteria. They're not looking to figure out, you know, the $100 deduction that he claimed that he wasn't entitled to. They're looking for big dollars. So typically we're looking at incomes of at least for individual taxpayers of at least $200,000. So we're, we're setting the bar pretty high there. And they're looking for fraud. Um, they're basically looking for fraud in the millions, right? So you're looking at 200,000 as your threshold income. And then the, the, the alleged, uh, the alleged uh, tax fraud um, tends to be uh, in the millions. 2 million is the mark that's in the statute. There's a little bit of wiggle there, but that's basically what they're looking for because there's another discretionary program, but that's the one that, that people kind of point their finger at. And you can get a percentage of what the IRS collects. So how is the landscape of whistleblower laws, uh, particularly Section 7623B, evolved over the years? And what impact have these changes had on the effectiveness of the program? Well, so I think IRS, well, Congress, of course, writes the law. So I think early on, Congress had this idea that if IRS had some help from the public, right, finger pointing, that they could then go after and it would be an easier, uh, an easier catch for IRS. Um, and there was some truth to that. But as the program continued, they started narrowing what they were accepting. They're looking at, um, they also changed the rules on how much you could collect. So now the caps are typically around 15%. Um, so they've changed over the years, I think, you know, widely related to how well IRS does collecting. IRS has to submit a report every year that says, here's what we were investigating, here's how much we collected, and uh, you know, here's what we hope to collect in the future. So when Congress has seen that they have made some tweaks to the law, but overall, the, you know, the, the law still is pretty much the same, which is that you have to give real information. So you can't just say, I think my guy is cheating, right? Like you have to say, 
You have to say, I know his business hasn't paid payroll taxes in three years, right? And here's how much it was. And here's, you have to give the IRS enough information to where they can actually investigate and collect. That's the other part that I think sometimes gets missing in these discussions. Because if you're arguing your, you know, your ex is a deadbeat, he doesn't have any money. Well, how's he going to pay the IRS too, right? Because you only get paid if IRS gets paid. Okay. And could you explain the actual success rates and average claim processing time for whistleblowers? So, the, you know, the program, it's funny that we just referenced that the, the statute's actually been around a while, but the, the, the office of the whistleblower hasn't been around for that many, many years. I think it's been around a decade and a half or so. And, um, and they've been, you know, the, the claims processes have changed a little bit. Their success, I think, of course, they go back and they look and they see how, how are we doing? They make some tweaks, um, but it does take time. You're not, you're not turning somebody in and getting paid tomorrow. Um, anybody who's ever been on hold with IRS knows that it takes a, a long time to get your own questions answered. And so you don't get paid until IRS gets paid, which means you have to turn over advice. Usually you can, there's a form, you can also call the IRS. So there's, the IRS has a whistleblower um, part, uh, page on their website. So you can go to irs.gov, just type in whistleblower and it'll give you the information that you need. And again, they're looking for big dollars. Um, but once they have that information, they start looking around, see if your claim's worth investigating, see if that information could have been um, made public somewhere else. So for example, if I wanted to turn in uh, Hunter Biden or you know one of the Gutierrez from uh, Real Housewives, if that information has already been made public, then I'm not really the whistleblower, right? I'm just reporting on something mm -hmm. that they already knew because the IRS wants information that they aren't getting from somewhere else. So the person can't be under investigation already. This has to be new information. Um, you turn over what you know, and then the IRS looks into it, and then they start working if it makes sense for them to follow up. If it does, you should expect this to take some time. Um, as a tax attorney, I can tell you that it is rare that you see anything happen within the first two years um, with collections matters, especially if the IRS is, uh, even if they're being particularly aggressive. So I think this notion, again, on TikTok, we like to hear something and have an immediate reaction, right? So if somebody says, hey, you know, I, you know, I can turn my ex in and get paid and I get paid 100,000 or whatever the number was she said she got paid. Um, that's a lot of money, first of all. So the fraud was pretty big. Um, and then second of all, the, the IRS would have had to have gone through all that process that we just discussed. Um, that isn't likely to happen in a few weeks. You're looking at a few years. And, and again, some of these go on for even longer. So how common is it for individuals to receive such substantial rewards, like $100,000 for tax evasion? So there's some big numbers. If you go and look at the IRS actually does publish, as I mentioned, the annual reports, you can actually go and look. There's some big numbers. But most of the time, those numbers are not coming, again, from individual um, smaller payments. They tend to come from corporate fraud, big international fraud, um, offshore like things that you're that are gonna again that are worth the irs's time and resources to follow um things like you know w-2s matching that they could have easily found out on their own that you're not going to be looking at that and even if they are I mean, even if your your ex um committed two hundred thousand dollars worth of fraud let's assume the irs decided that that met the criteria and they're taking that case um, you know, at the end of the day, maybe you walk away with 30. If you look at the um, amount of money that the uh, 30,000, but if you look at the amount of money that the uh, whistleblower program has um, paid out and the number of cases they've actually worked, 
you'll see it's not a lot of those like $30,000 pieces. <laughs> it's millions of dollars. And and some of it has been very, very um, prominent. There have been especially some accusations against, there was a big accusation against um, a public company a while ago, and it was an insider whistleblower who made that claim. Um, so again, it tends to be, you know, sometimes people who are disgruntled, so, so maybe employees or exes, um, but it, it needs to be somebody with some actual information and the and the target needs to be somebody that actually has money. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of factors, a lot of moving parts. Well, in your article, you mentioned that the purpose of the program was to encourage compliance and not to mm -hmm. seek revenge like what's going on on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss the potential consequences of making a false or bogus claim to the IRS? Right. So, so the whole idea is that um, with the compliance side is that if you if you you know irs is very very clear that they want you to pay their tax your taxes and they're also very clear about the fact that most americans do if you look at the tax gap if you look at the tax stats most americans pay their bills in full and on time to the to the irs that's a fact um but our system is voluntary and by voluntary i don't mean like you don't have to pay your taxes but i mean it's not like some other countries where they're figuring it for you and pointing a finger and saying you must pay your taxes. What happens in the uh, in the U.S. is that we file our return, we report our income, we we self-report deductions, right, and then we pay our tax. Um, the IRS is hopeful that when you know there are penalties for not complying, that you're going to fill that return out correctly when you submit it. Um, so that's what I mean by voluntary. Um, but when that doesn't happen, you know. There, if there's a balance due or if there's some kind of evasion, then that's when they go after you in terms of collections. So what I think is interesting, um, what you have to keep in mind from the, what this TikTok person um, influencer was saying, is I think you have to be very, very sure that the claims that you're making are substantiated. It can't be, I think my neighbor's cheating because they have a fancy car and I'm sure that they don't make that much money, right? Like it has to be real information that you have and to make sure that they don't get an influx of focus claims, people calling to report those little things, um, there are penalties uh, for for reporting the wrong thing, especially if uh, it's, it's malicious, for example. And that's where when we talk about your ex, you have to be really wary, right? Like you can't just call up the IRS and say, I know they cheated and here's some information and, and, and make up things. The IRS wants you to turn over legitimate information that can be used um, to collect that taxes, it's not intended to be a source of revenge. Like, and as I alluded to in the article, you know, the revenge part might be fun for you <laughs> if it works out that way, right? Like, you know, you might have some kind of that, you know, sense of, well, I got them, right? But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's not the intent of the, of the whistleblower statute. The intention is to help IRS collect money that was genuinely uh, payable. So considering the complexity of the IRS whistleblower program, what advice would you give to someone who genuinely believes they have information about tax evasion and is contemplating reporting it to the IRS? 100% use a professional. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. One is because they can help you walk, they can help walk you through the process so that you make sure that A, you met the criteria, B, you're reporting it correctly, and see that you're not gonna get yourself into trouble because I can't tell you how many times as an attorney, I've had people call and say they wanna report their ex, meaning not their ex-boyfriend, but maybe an ex-spouse or an ex-business partner. Um, and it turns out that they were involved in the years that they wanna turn the ex in for. Um, you know, then, then scrutiny comes back on you, right? So if I wanna mm -hmm. say my husband and I didn't pay taxes last year, 
now let's go get my husband. The IRS is gonna say, wait a minute, but you and your husband, right? So you wanna make sure that you're not throwing yourself under the bus at the same time when you make a report. So 100%, I would say uh, that you'd wanna connect with the tax professional, discuss the potential consequences and whether or not the reward is likely and worth it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Callie. Thank you.